What's up, guys, and welcome to the Drum Talk, the podcast where we all just drum about it, we talk about it. My name is Nate Testa, and this week I am joined by singer, songwriter, YouTuber, multi instrumentalist, and drummer for Torn Wells, Chris Strader. What's up, bro? What's up, bro? I wasn't ready for all of that. <laughs> in the front end, but. I had to kind of think of like all the things that you do and how I've kind of like, okay, what does he got to like. <laughs> I just I just found out recently because of some posts that you sing. I was like, dude, this guy's like doing it all. Dude, only when I have to. Only when I have to. <laughs> that's actually that's something that um that actually got me excited because um I I did that for a little bit as well. Like when my church like needed some fill-ins or something, and whenever mm. I wasn't playing drums um at the church I was grew up at, I would always kind of fill in as like worship leader if the worship leader had to like go on vacation or whatever. Yeah. So be having that side of me definitely has helped, you know, the drumming side as well. I'm sure with you like knowing what the singer wants and being able to yeah. understand their position and role and stuff like that. So yep. <laughs> that's yeah, <laughs> and I mean, you know, you do YouTube, you do all this different stuff. So it's like, yeah, might as well yeah, just yeah. throw it all in there. It's not just torn wells. You're you're getting, you're doing a bunch of stuff by yourself. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. So here. I mean, so like, how's how's everything going? Actually, how's uh, how's Dude, life going? How's tour? How's tour? Life is great. I literally can't complain, man. It's been obviously an interesting past year and a half as we, you know. I can't even say. I don't know if we're coming out of the pandemic or not. We're still in it. We'll but see. Yeah, it's been interesting, but um, I I literally can't compa- can't complain. It's been great. Uh, tour was awesome. It was extremely different in a lot of different ways. As far as like, um, you know, we were playing arenas, but it was twenty percent capacity, right? Or twenty or thirty percent. Either way, it was it just seemed really empty in there. They had everybody spread out. So it looked weird, but the shows were still great. And then, um, you know, they had a lot of uh, COVID protocol stuff in place. So as far as like hanging out with people like in that city and, you know, getting people passes to come backstage, all that stuff was like a no go. So, Oh wow. Yeah. um, We just, I mean, which was fine, but it was just, it was just interesting, you know, having a, uh, just go by those rules and everything. So we're so right. used to just being able to hang with people and, you know, people coming out to the show and being able to see friends and family, but none of that got to happen <laughs> this time. But right. we were just super grateful to be out, man. Everybody was extremely just grateful and happy and cheering each other on and everything. It was great. I loved it. Yeah, I, I think that's really cool to be able to see, especially like you said, during these like weird times. The fact that, um, and if anybody doesn't know, it was uh, Toby Max Hits Deep um, tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was just a prior obligations, like prior to COVID closing down. This was the tour that was already being planned out and had to be cut cut off because of everything, correct? Uh, kind of. So he does this tour every year. Right. Um, but last year when we were touring it, when we were doing this tour last year, we got cut off like maybe two weeks before the tour was finishing. Oh, okay. Uh, so we actually still haven't made up those shows yet. Oh. <laughs> I think they're scheduled for like sometime like late fall, like in October or September, oh, something like wow. that. Oh, wow. So this is so, a completely new show, essentially. Yeah. It's completely oh, wow. different show, different lineup, set list, all that kind of stuff. So uh, we're supposed to be going back and finishing those makeup shows and sometime this year but it's gotten rescheduled a couple of times but i'm sure it'll happen yeah i'm 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 now seeing a lot more um like things saying oh we're gonna have stuff during the summer and later into the fall like even with as simple things as like you know amazon having their employees come back um to the main offices and stuff yeah or i think it was amazon I'm not, I don't remember, but it was one of the bigger companies that are like, oh, they're going to start having their, their people back in the office instead of just working from home, like yeah. trickling in from the summer and then more full, full capacity into the fall. So yeah, it, it looks cool. good, but we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. And it's just, like you said, um, tremendously, I'm sure you're tremendously grateful because I mean, nobody is, is touring yeah. at all. So it's I like, it's, we were the only tour out like in any genre which was crazy yeah it's really so, crazy grateful yeah so i mean like, I, and uh 
I think that's where I can transition to this food thing. <laughs> because, <Yeah. laughs> because while you're on tour, you're obviously able to uh, try out different things. And mm-hmm. uh, depending on where you go, I mean, obviously, if you go into Texas, um, you'll still be able to actually walk inside somewhere and grab some food or something. And then, yeah. and for some places, just go to the drive through. Um, but while I was on tour in October, surprisingly enough, while we were in Texas, um, we were able to like park across the street from like a Whataburger. And so I had the pleasure of being able to have in and out prior to this. I was like, Uh all right, now I, now I, now I'm able to like, here we go, (laughs) do that, do that comparison. Let's go. And my first experience was, I think I grabbed breakfast, which first surprised the crap out of me. I was like, wait, we're getting this breakfast here. Okay, cool. Grab that. I was like, uh, what <laughs> and i honestly to people that are in and out fans i'm sorry but whataburger totally destroyed in and out in my opinion let's go that's like, the so- best thing i've heard all day man. <laughs> it really yeah. did no i'm serious like you have the way more options i mean price wise they're pretty much the same and in maybe in in and out's defense you probably could get more for the amount of money that you spend with like mm-hmm. a double or triple or whatever you want to do. But yeah. I think overall quality and the type of like condiments they put in there and just, I mean, Whataburger just kind of had it. Yeah. Anything you wanted, like you were able yeah. to get, they even had little dessert things you can get. Like those blew yep. me away. I was like, what the, Oh, it's so yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, man. The thing with in and out is that they technically, technically, have one item on the menu and it's just a matter of how you get that item you know like whether it's a double whether it's wrapping lettuce whether it's animal style um they technically have one main item which is the burger and you know the burger's great i always want to make sure i clarify that in and out is not disgusting it tastes great but as an overall like restaurant and just everything it's not touching water burger man <laughs> no no it's not and i and the thing is though the funny thing is i had in and out and when i was on a tour in 2018 and we just didn't get a chance to stop at a water burger but that everyone kept telling me like oh no 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 and it, like water burgers way better way better um and i was like well then stop then let's do this and we just yeah. weren't able to stop but then I was like, all right, you know, two years later, let's go. And <laughs> and I probably had went back over there. Like we were able to be in that area for like a couple of days. So mm-hmm. I easily went back there a couple of times. I was like breakfast. I probably there was probably one day I easily had it for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Dude, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. You can't do it's, that with In-N-Out. You can't no, go there once. No. Maybe twice a week. Whataburger, you got so many options. You could be there a couple of times a week mm-hmm. at any time of the day, and it's going to be great. Yep. Have- and I wish it was closer, but I did find out there was one um, in Jacksonville, which is like, you know, a couple hours from where I live in Orlando. So whenever I'm in Jacksonville, I swing by there, but it's uh, like I would I obviously wouldn't be able to go there every day. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's good, though. Like, it's it's, it's crazy that like when you go on tour and stuff like that, it's one of the like perks of like being able to do that is even though you're stuck on the bus and, and doing all that stuff, whenever you stop somewhere, the, the, obviously the tour manager and the bus driver all have that coordinated, Hey, we're stopping here. It's going to have a lot of places here where us for the people to eat or grab food or whatever. Yeah. Um, Cause sometimes you're rolling into an area at like, you know, seven or eight o'clock and you have until like, at least text for me, like I, I didn't get until sometimes at like 12 or one o'clock because it was a smaller tour. So yeah. I wasn't I didn't have to go in there super early. So I had like a couple hours to like, oh, I can go somewhere and grab something. Yeah. So what's sure. what's kind of been like outside of Whataburger? Um, what has been like some distinct favorites that are like you can't get where you normally live? Because you're in Nashville, right? I'm in Nashville. Yeah. So you can't um, say hot chicken. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even really eat hot chicken like that. Like I, oh, you I've don't? had it maybe two times since I've lived here in the past. I've been here for two years now. Uh, yeah, man, I don't know. You know, everybody else in the band—I won't say everybody. Most of the band guys are like coffee snobs, so that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and I'm just always just following everybody else around, like 
a guitar player. Thanks for going to coffee. (laughs) Yeah, our guitar player Uriah. We've named him like the food and coffee pastor of the band. So (laughs) anytime we stop somewhere, we're like, "All right, you get to decide where we're going." Because if not, you got you know six or seven guys trying to figure out what they want to eat. It just it can get. Oh crazy, yeah, you so. ha- you kind of have to have a leader when it comes to that. I I think I I tend to go towards the same gravity you do. I was like, I don't want to be the guy to choose. Just I'll follow whoever's doing it, and I, right. I trust them. It's fine. Yeah, unless one of us knows something that's crazy. Now, honestly, I have to shout out this one place. Uh, I have to look up exactly where it is because I want everybody to know about this place. <laughs> we were in Dover, Delaware. Okay. This was in 2019, and we were on a tour, and um, we didn't travel with catering, so it was something different every day, like just something right. local. Yep. And we are in Dover, Delaware, and they had this food by a restaurant called Aunt Mary's Kitchen. Mm. Now, I don't know if you're, like, into soul food like that or, like, Thanksgiving food. But this 100%. was the best, like, soul food we had ever had in our lives. Like, the macaroni. We still talk about it to this day. And this happened in 2019. The mac and cheese? The mac and cheese was the best mac and cheese I've ever tasted. Like, it was basically Thanksgiving food on, like, a random Tuesday <laughs> in Dover, Delaware. In the middle in of the, the summer. Yeah, in the middle of the <laughs> summer. It was, dude. That is the number one spot for me that I'm telling you, we talk about it every time we're like, we go to a city, we're like, how close are we to Dover, Delaware? Are we like in driving distance? Can we get an Uber? Like, Can we get an Uber? Yeah, we got to go find this food. That's probably the main thing. There hasn't been any other food for me, at least, that has just stood out like that to where I was like, oh my gosh, I got to, I got to have this every day, you know? Dude, yeah. I I definitely have a couple of those places, but bro, like, the, I think there was just, I think there was this one place, and this might just been on a vacation, but um, it was somewhere in Georgia, and I, it was Savannah, Georgia, and it was this famous like cooking lady. I forget her name. It's like it's like mother and sons something. I don't know the name of it, mm-hmm. but talk about some good southern food. Like I am a sucker for good southern food. Like you, yeah. you give me some grits, some gravy, some biscuits. Ooh. Oh, you're getting me hungry already. Come on, <laughs> having greens, beans, yeah. potatoes, tomatoes, grams. <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah, I mean, okay. And then there's another thing that I just got because you're from originally from Houston, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I'm sure you know about this because they're just opened one up. Um, and this is like really random because like I I know we don't talk about like gas stations and food, but like I just I just got I just went there. I'm like, bro, he's from Houston. I gotta talk about this. You ever heard of Bucky's? <laughs> Dude, have I ever heard oh, of Bucky's? Oh, here we go. On, bro. <laughs> so they just opened one up in Daytona Beach. And me and my wife were in Daytona Beach um a couple days ago, and we're passing by, we're driving to like the beach, we're like chilling at the beach. Mm-hmm. And when it took us a different way, we're like down one of the highways, and I see the sign, I'm like, babe. There's a Bucky's. There's a Bucky's here. And I just <laughs> found out about Bucky's on tour in October because one of the dudes is from Texas. We were in Texas. And he's like, guys, we gotta go to Bucky's. I'm like, what's Bucky's? What are you talking about? Yeah. And we we roll into this this gas station. That's the biggest gas station I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And I even forgot what type of food I got. There's so many options, so many crazy. They were doing it was, I bought like how do you go to a gas station and buy bath bomb for your wife? Like, yeah. <laughs> like who, who even thinks about that? They have like a gift shop. Like, bro, that yeah. it, it's another level. Bucky's is next level. I've probably been there. I don't know. A, a ton of times. And I've probably only got gas there like maybe twice. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody goes to Bucky's to get gas. Everybody stops to go in I I have been like on a road trip to where I'm driving by myself and literally had a full tank of gas, had snacks and food, had just used a restroom, and I still stopped at Bucky's just like <laughs> to kind of show my face and, you know, look around, see what everybody's doing. 
It's that type of it's that type of place. It is. Now I will say that we needed gas, so I got gas. But I didn't. I, I can get why people because I think isn't Bucky's like originally from Houston, uh, or is it? Or maybe. I mean, in Texas at all? In Texas, yeah. Okay, because that's. I just. I'm sure people just like me going to like the beach or going to Disney. It's probably the same thing for you guys. Like you wouldn't go to a certain place, particularly for what you would normally go there for. Like right. you said, like you're not gonna go there and get gas, but you know we need a <laughs> gas, so we got gas. But I found that interesting. I was like, no, I don't even go there for gas. I, yeah. I go there for food and I and go merch. There for the food, man. <laughs> the the food is good. I had a uh, what did I have. I had like a chicken wrap, and I was like, bro, this is really yeah. good. They just have so many options. Like I get get ready, Wawa, because uh, um, Bucky's <laughs> is coming for you. Yeah, hundred percent. Love Bucky's. So if you guys if you guys live in Florida, or if you live, I think it's more of a southern thing. So you might need to check out maybe like, obviously Houston. I mean Houston has it, Texas has it. Um, I don't really know anywhere else that has it. But if you're in Daytona Beach, check it out. I'm 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 just playing, giving them a plug because that place yes. was. You just walk in, and you're like, "Where do I start? What am? Well, yeah, where do I start? Like, what is it? What, what is this place? It, yeah. and where am I? <laughs> like, Literally anything you could ever think of is there. Is yeah, there they, at Bucky's. It's yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't say enough, guys. Go to Bucky's. That's that's yeah. all we're gonna do. Now we're Let's gonna go to talk, Now we're talking about Chris's life. Okay, no more Bucky's now. <laughs> So yeah, let's kind of like transition. I, I already mentioned that you um, are originally from Houston, but I mean, I'm sure you can go in, a, in depth uh, and elaborate more. But uh, yeah, kind of like start from the beginning. Uh, you don't have to make it long. I mean, I'm sure you've talked about your life on other podcasts before. So, but gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> born and raised in Houston, Texas. Uh, grew up playing in church. You know, uh, my parents were very heavily involved in church uh so i was there all the time you know and got to just be around church musicians like i owe a lot to the guys that were the church band at my church growing up um those guys taught me a lot i don't even think they realized it but i was the kid in the band you know and the pastor's son he was the main drummer so he was like my first drummer that I looked up to and got to, you know, watch on a weekly basis. Um, the cool thing was that um, my mom, she was a head of finance at the church growing up, and she was literally the only one at the church who had to be there during a week, like nine to five. And so during the summer, I would go up to the church with her and be there all day just playing on the instruments and stuff while she was up in her office working on stuff. So I would literally be on drums for a few hours and move to like the keyboard station. And after I got tired of that, go to the organ, didn't know what I was doing there, but just played around <laughs> a little bit. Then eventually back to drums. Then my mom would be like, oh, I need a, can you just come up here for a little bit? Cause it was obviously loud and stuff. But yeah. <laughs> anyways, growing up in church, that was, I, I owe everything to that experience. You know, that prepared me for a lot of stuff. Um, and then eventually, you know, got old enough to start gigging around town and stuff. I was involved in a jazz band for a little while. Um, started going to Lakewood Church uh, with Pastor Joel Osteen, and that completely changed and wrecked my life. Because uh, before that, I didn't know, I didn't even know what like a that you could play to a metronome. Oh wow. Like, I didn't know that. I didn't know what in ears were. I didn't know what avioms were. Like, <laughs> like at the churches that I grew up at, none of that existed there. So, like playing to a loop or tracks, all of that, like a talkback, everything, all of that was just way over my head. I had no idea. Um, so I was at Lakewood for about seven years uh, and got some op awesome opportunities there, and just learned a lot. I owe a lot to those guys there as well. And, you know, met a lot of my long-term uh, or lifetime best friends there. Uh, Uriah, the guitar player for Torn, he, that's where him and I met. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, so then from there, you know, transitioned out of there and then started going to 
my home church in Houston is called Grace Church. And uh, that church has a history for having a lot of dope musicians and singers come through the church. Uh, people like Israel Houghton and New Breed, uh, oh, a lot wow. of New Breed went there. Um, Aaron Lindsay was a music director there for a little bit. Uh, Cora Dunham, who's played with Prince and Beyonce, she used to be there. Wow. Uh, and Josh Dunham used to be him. It just a ton of people. So that was a oh Marvin McQuitty used to play oh, drums wow. there, and he ran sound there. Um, <laughs> so it was just it was a wild place to be, and that's kind of where I uh, first met Torn. Uh, when Torn was in his um band, he used to be in a band called Royal Taylor, and the youth pa- my youth pastor at the time. Uh, was friends with Torn, so he would bring in Royal Taylor for our youth conferences and every once in a while for like a big youth service. And at the time, I was the youth worship leader. So uh, my youth pastor was like, hey, you need to make sure these guys are good with everything that they need. Right. I was handling their back. I was 17 years old. I had no idea I was doing. I was handling like their back line. I was emailing their manager and stuff. Oh, wow. I didn't know what I was doing. but um, So I had to like work closely with them obviously not knowing that years from then like i would be working with torn on a on a different level right um so yeah that's that's kind of leads me to where we are now which i'm sure you'll want to you want to ask about that but um yeah that's that's just kind of been my life i i don't know if you wanted more personal stuff i have two siblings two parents oh, no. uh <laughs> Uh, you know, never had a dog. Actually, we did have a never dog. had a dog. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it it's it, it's kind of interesting because a lot of drummers, like for instance, I have like the really boring story of like you know, oh, I my parents found me playing pots and pans in the kitchen, and that's the story they told me. I just like, nothing like that, and yeah. so to know that like like okay, so maybe maybe we can go into that then, like how. When did you know that like music was something you wanted to do? Man, I think really, really early on, uh, growing up at church, like I, I always, my eyes were always glued to the drummer. Like no matter if we, what church we were at or we, we went to go visit different churches and stuff like that, my eyes were always glued on the drummer. And I was like, I want to play drums. I want to play drums. Mm. And my dad is, musically inclined he did music all through middle school and college uh middle school through college and he went to a performing arts high school and stuff like that so he was able to recognize that gift inside of me and him and my mom both did an excellent job I feel like at nurturing that gift right um I owe my dad a lot he he's responsible for like I feel like my library of music i i guess uh, i guess i don't know how to word that better but no that, that's that's great yeah yeah i bring me kind of in your head and like, like, yeah he became your spotify playlist yes yes <laughs> he yeah before spotify even existed um he was uh he was very intentional with uh putting me on to all types of music not just church stuff because i got that you know without right. even having to really try like i was right. at church all the time um, but putting me on artists like James Taylor and Earth, Wind and Fire and uh, Chicago and Billy Joel, like just every everybody that you can think of, he had me listening to that stuff. And it wasn't just like, hey, you should check out this artist. I think you might like him. No, it was like wake up on Saturday morning. Uh, he'd already have like a tape in the tape deck next to my drum set. And be like, all right, I want you to play along to this album, <laughs> you know, wow. top to bottom, you know, and try to pick up on as much of it as you can. And that's that's like what my Saturdays look like, or not just Saturdays, but a lot of my days, especially during the summer, that's what it looked like. And he was very intentional with like making sure that I listened to all of the music rather than just the drums. Sometimes he would just have me sit and listen and be like, I want you to listen to the Sopranos on this song. And I'm like, I don't care about Sopranos. You know, I was a drummer. I was a kid. I wanted to play drums. Yeah. So, uh, no, I owe a lot to my dad because he was very intentional with that. And, of course, my mom was extremely supportive. And 
at every show and gig and service and you know the loudest one in the back you know all that stuff so Mm -hmm. i'm super grateful for them yeah it's 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 interesting going back to that point that your dad was very intentional about um you listening to other things other than the drums and i think that's one thing that us as drummers um at least the majority of people that are going to be listening to this are are drummers we tend to think too much about the drums which i mean to an extent is important but at the end of the day it's also very important to um know what's happening around us and what's happening with um the bass what's happening with the electric guitar what's happening with the keys what are other things happening that we need to pay attention to most of Mm -hmm. all importantly like he, I'm glad he pointed out the vocals. Vocals are super important. There's something we just don't think about as drummers. Like, oh, how does how does me potentially playing? And I think about this way too much, probably. But like, how how does me how does me playing this particular fill? How does that affect the singers? Mm-hmm. How, how how does that affect potentially if they might react? Or depending on what church you're playing at, some some churches like singers like aren't prepared for a you going off time. That's just not, that's right. not going to be a thing, especially if the music's not calling for it. So it's, that's really awesome that he would be like, Hey, this is what, um, this is something that you should practice today. And it, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's almost like, even though you wanted to, he had that, um, he gave that kind of direction in a way. He gave you a road to drive your car on and say, Hey, yeah. here are some things that are going to help you along to get your car moving. Uh, and, and you were like, all right, cool. We're playing this, this Saturday or, or yeah. whatever the case is. And then on the flip side, like when he wasn't, when he was working and stuff, you're going with your mom to work during the summer mm-hmm. and you're make, and she's allowing you to like practice and play and stuff like that. So yeah. that's, that's always super great. I'm, I, I'm, it's, it's exciting for me to hear that like parents were so supportive as mine were. And I'm sure a lot of our like parents were like us playing drums especially they're very loud (laughs) they're very obnoxious sometimes and can be a little too much yeah yeah i'm grateful man because they could have very easily been like hey we know you like the drums but we're just gonna get you in enrolled in karate because that's a lot less you know loud you know (laughs) they could have very easily taken that route but they didn't shy away from like getting me instruments and allowing me to practice and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And I think that had a lot to do with your dad being musically inclined, you know, mm-hmm. because he he knew. He knew that they, no matter what you play, whether it's, you know, saxophone or the clarinet or whatever instrument there is, yeah. there comes that growing period of, you know, at first when you start out, it's not going to sound self-mixed. It's not going to sound organized. It's going right. to sound all over the place. But as time goes on and you allow that space to grow – it's it's going to start sounding better because you're going to start understanding like oh I can ease up on my 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 right hand and not hit my cymbals as hard but I can still yeah. kind of lay into my drums and and understanding that mix and stuff so that's that's really cool so like and then yeah. going off of that like how did other instruments become uh like a part of that mix like obviously you did drums the majority of your mm-hmm. time did did instruments other instruments come into play um like more, did they become more um, to the to the forefront of what you were learning um, when you became worship leader at your youth group at Grace? Um, so yes, but a little bit before that, I think I started playing keys or started like dabbling with keys maybe around like ten. Okay, uh, and just kind of playing by ear. Uh, then after a while, my um, my my parents wanted me to get involved in lessons so I started taking private lessons with uh, a really awesome teacher in Houston Texas her name was Miss Johnson and she was very strict <laughs> um, and her house always smelled like cigarettes but it was great uh, I'm, I'm, I'm able to say it was great now I didn't think it was great back then I couldn't stand going to piano lessons um, that's crazy yeah but uh, my parents knew that or they saw me being able to like pick up certain things on the keys and they wanted me to take lessons to be able to have a better understanding of what I was doing and right. instead of just playing by ear. So 
uh, yeah, I started playing keys around that time. Took lessons for maybe like two or three years. Um, and then from then, I just continued learning by ear and then surrounding myself with other keyboard players and stuff. And then somewhere along those lines, I started picking up on bass a little bit. And I mean, I say a little bit and I really do mean a little bit. <laughs> like <laughs> I I can get through like a church service, but that that's about it. Like don't ask me to do anything other <laughs> other than that. You're gonna be very disappointed. But um <clears throat> trying to think. Yeah, that was that's I mean, mainly keys and bass is the other two instruments that I right. claim to, you know, have <laughs> in my under my belt, I guess. Well, I mean, it, I think it comes into handy comes in handy because um actually how I found out about you was I <laughs> uh why am I freaking wow I thought of his name right before this and oh uh Daniel Bernard yeah and on his on his YouTube page I was like watching you know I, I watched some stuff here and there and uh he did that whole video when he filled in when you guys had like a keys player is something out, or I think you might have been out. I don't know which which one it was. Yeah, a keys um, player was out. Yeah, and so basically you jumped on keys, and he was able to play and fill in. So I think that comes in handy sometimes, and I think it it does provide um, a a versatility that you want in in a musician that's in your band or something like that. That mm-hmm. ma- definitely makes you more valuable as 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 an asset to the band, as an asset to touring. Um, just being able to to do multiple things, and it may not like in your opinion, it may not be like the best, but it it definitely gets the job done, and definitely like get you yeah. through the gig or get you through the the event or something like that. For sure, for sure. Yeah, Daniel yes. Bernard, uh, he's a he's a monster. He's a beast, uh, bro. A, <laughs> he's really good. <laughs> he's amazing, dude. He's a. Ro- yeah. I swear, sometimes I think he's a robot. Like he's so like he puts in a lot of work. He puts in a lot, a lot of work. Like he. He sh- he puts up videos where he's practicing for a couple of hours a night on a Saturday yeah. night before a service. Like he puts in a ton of work to get yeah. that good, but he just looks so like clean when he's playing around the kit. I know so many drummers that are around like the Orlando area that like watch his videos all the time. Like just study this dude because he's like putting in all the work and he's a perfect. Yeah, I don't I don't want to go off topic, but this dude is a, <laughs> he was a beast. Yeah, bro. he's great. He's great. So I mean that that kind of yeah I. I it definitely going back to kind of like the multi-instrumentalist thing, it definitely helps. And I think to be able to transition into kind of like our main meat of the podcast, uh, in being an MD and at, fr- at first of all, actually, how did that even become the, the, the thing? Cause obviously you joining Torin, I don't know. I don't know if you became the, the MD right away. Was that something that was gradually, um, added to your plate of what you were doing with Torin? Yeah, um, so I'll give you the quick timeline of how that happened. Uh, Torn was in his band, Royal Taylor. He stepped away from that band, decided to go solo. Um, like I said, at the time, I had been around Torn a few times, you know. Right. Uh, but we had a mutual friend, and he was becoming, uh, he was he's going to be the bass player for, I don't want to say Torn's new band, because it really wasn't a new band, but the guys I were going to play for Torn for his solo stuff. And he hit me up. He's like, hey, uh, Torn is going solo. He's looking for a keyboard player. Would you be interested? And I was like, sure, which I had never, like, really played keys in a band like that, like right. just at church and stuff. So I was like, yeah, I'm down. So I did all my homework, learned all the songs, tried to get, you know, the patches and all that kind of stuff, and played keys for Torn for probably – Probably a year, um, and actually Daniel Bernard was on drums at the time. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, so then things started shifting a little bit. Daniel, you know, obviously he's he's a youth pastor at his church. He mm-hmm. is involved in literally everything, so yeah. he wasn't able to commit to like touring and stuff like that. So I moved to drums, and then there was a while where it was just Torn and I. Uh, like I was playing drums, there was tracks, and then it was him. Like there wasn't oh, really wow. any other band. Uh, every once in a while, we'd have like some other guys play, but um, it was during that time uh, that 
Yeah, I think I became MD after the first tour. Um, I just we I put some arrangements together. Just I was bored at my house one day, and I was like, you know, I just I was like, I had nothing to do, so I was like, let me just put some arrangements together of some of these songs, and so I did, and I sent it to Torrent, and he was like, bro, what the heck? <laughs> he was like, and then from there, eventually, um, he was like, okay, we need a. I want to make you the music director, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, which was interesting because it really wasn't a full band yet. It was just like right, just me and him. It's just like you're, you're like basically over yourself. Yeah, like just if, if you had to talk, sh- but you'd be like, you'd be like, all right, Chris, yeah, just talking uh, to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so that was interesting, but um, then eventually we got a full band and stuff. Uh, and so yeah, now we have a full squad and. You know, it's super dope, and everybody in the band is incredible. Um, shout out to those guys, the White Belts, as uh, our band name <laughs> is the White Belts. Uh, yeah, so that's how that kind of came about. That's crazy. Yeah, that's cool. And that, that definitely will help us transition into, obviously, the main topic was, like, you know, I think there's such an advantage of having that position, and along with being the drummer, because, mm-hmm. again, I think – there are there are added things that come as a thing that you normally don't have to think about as just the drummer, and now you are thinking about as the MD and the drummer right. that you normally wouldn't think about if you weren't the MD. And so I think coming at it with that perspective, I think being able to – and guys, the kind of main thing is like, uh, you know, five things that um, the MD of – if we were to split Chris in half <laughs> and the, the MD side has taught the drummer side of him. And I think right. it's going to be, I'm really pumped about what, he, what, what kind of uh, points he has, because I think for a lot of us um, to, we, we may not ever be the MD in, in our church band that we're at or the band that we're in or anything like that. But I hope that some of these tips can help you maybe possibly think, um, like an MD so that whenever you're MD at your church, if you do have one is talking about stuff is doing stuff, you can more relate and understand why he's asking you to do something or why they're having a certain transition into this or why sometimes even cueing a particular fill, like, Hey, we're doing this here. Like just having those particular things in place, you then understand when you start thinking like an MD, understanding why things are happening the way they are. And it also yeah. helps you respect that aspect of of what they do and what they have to think about throughout a service, throughout a tour, throughout a, whatever the situation is. So, and I'm big about empathy. Like I'm big about like that's why like for instance, being a like singer as yourself is, you can understand. You may not be in the same position as Torn, but you understand the role he's playing, what other things he has to do outside of it, even just being on stage. Like there's different things, and so to internally understand that and then be able to execute and allow him to just do what he has to do. Yeah. I think that's another thing of what, of what an MD does and what us as drummers can do for the people that we end up playing with and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm super yeah. pumped about, about what you, some of your points so you can roll. Yeah. Oh, and, and actually um, we can define this. You kind of talked about it, but um maybe in your opinion, like what, what is the role of a music director or MD? Uh, music director, MD, basically you're honestly the middleman between the artists and the musicians and, or singers. Um, your, your responsibility is to take the vision of the artists, what they want, uh, what they want to hear, what the vibe is for you know, whether it's just one show or whether it's a song or whatever, and uh, make sure that is executed and communicated to the other musicians and singers or whoever else, you know, is in the band. Um, a lot of times, um, simple things, you, you know, obviously calling out certain things within a song, um, like whether it's calling di- certain sections, whether it's calling, you know, numbers here and there or chords or calling dynamics. Um, and you're really, you're the one who, I'm trying to figure out a great, a good analogy. Um, like, 
I don't know. This is going to be a really bad analogy, but <laughs> if the artist is walking down a trail, I'm I'm riding the horse that is following the 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 artist walking down the trail, walking down the trail, and attached to the horse is a carriage that has everybody else. You know what I mean? Right. Like I'm I'm following him. I'm going where he's going. I'm listening to his, you know, signals and all that kind of stuff. Now, a lot of times the MD will run the tracks or and put their arrangements together. Um but yeah, just basically the middleman between the artist and the uh the band. And your your job is to make sure that whatever the artist is wanting and needing, that it's executed to the best of your ability. If that makes sense. No, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think that analogy was perfect because um, thinking about it when you're on like a carriage or on like a wagon or something, whenever you're the person in the wagon, you can only really, unless it gives you the availability to stand up and look past the person driving, you kind of have to like look around the person, but you never have a clear sight in front of you. But the person driving has that clear sight. And that's a perfect example of if Torn's basically making his own trail, you have the same vision that he does and you're able to see everything that he's seen, but you're not seeing it through your eyes. You're seeing it through what he's trying to create through the show or through the um, uh, song or whatever the case is. So that, that totally makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, I have, I have five things. Um, And all of this, it all ties into each other. And some of them, some of these things we kind of hit on already. Uh, But the first thing I wrote down, uh, five things being an MD taught me as a drummer um, is one, how to listen to everything. Uh, Being in a band, a lot of the times drummers, I feel like drummers and guitar players have this, this reputation of just doing whatever the heck they want, (laughs) you know, not caring about other people and not listening to other people. But what really sets you apart and, you know, sets you apart from like just a drummer and being a professional musician is how well you listen and how well you vibe with others in the band. Um, Like you can't, you can't be in a band and not listen to the other people and expect the product to be great. You know, the bass player can be doing something really cool but if I'm not paying attention to him, I can completely miss it. And now I'm doing my own thing. And now there's two different things going on. And it sounds like, but, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the same way with a lot of other different things as well. Like if the keyboard player, if his dynamic is a little softer, but I'm still playing like full out, you know, there's just certain things like that you have to listen to. Um, and also realizing uh, what parts people are playing. Uh, sometimes it's not as much as about like letting people have their shine because um, there's there's times for that and you know that's awesome and everything but uh, sometimes it's just as simple as listening to what parts are being played like uh, if the guitar player has a really busy you know guitar line going throughout the verse I want to be able to compliment that as a drummer rather than play something on top of him thinking that I'm adding to it which in reality, I'm not. Like, I'm taken away from what he's doing. So, and like I said, like, growing up, my dad would have me listen to, you know, these certain albums and songs and stuff. Like, now I see why that was important because absolutely he would have me listen to the bass player. He'd have me listen to the strings. He'd have me listen to the guitar player. And so now that I'm older and I'm in a position where I'm over a group of musicians, like that's not foreign to me. Like I've, I've been trained to listen to other musicians and five off what they're doing as well. Um, the second thing I wrote down is to how to serve the music. And it kind of ties into the first thing, but I, I look at a song, a concert, whatever it may be, a service as something that I'm coming to serve. Like, especially songs that are already recorded and people are familiar with. Um, like one of Torn's biggest songs is uh, Hills and Valleys. Yep. Uh, like that's the one song everybody knows, you know. So I have to make sure my approach to the song isn't crazy to where people don't recognize the song. Right. Because honestly, 
people will pay money just to come hear that one song. And if I'm over here on my high horse, just doing all kinds of stuff, taken away from the song, right? You know, that can ruin that one person's experience of, you know, being able to see or hear this song live. So, what like what am I doing as a drummer to serve the music? Am I help elevating it or am I doing stuff that's taken away from it? You know, am I listening to my bandmates or am I just on in my own little world? Uh, the third thing I wrote down was uh, patterns are important. So here's my here's my thought process on it when I say patterns are important. At some point, I mean, you're playing music that 90% of the time you're playing music that's already recorded and people have already heard. Yep. At some point, months, weeks, years before, somebody sat down and wrote this song. And then they went into a studio. They paid studio time to go in and get this song recorded. And some professionals sat down and took their time to iron out every little detail of certain patterns for each section, you know, you know, the dynamics of each section and throughout the entire song, everything was really well thought out. And if we're not careful and if we don't pay attention to those patterns and stuff, especially drummers, I can go in and play what I think is being played or something that's kind of remotely close to being what was recorded. And, if we're not careful, that can mess up what other people are doing in the band. Like if the bass player, if he went home and learned the song exactly the way it's recorded and he's locking in with the kick drum and then I come to rehearsal and I'm playing my own pattern, now the bass player's thrown off, you know? Uh, Like he's like, okay, that's not what this dude is doing. And now there's a disconnect. It sounds like the bass and drummer don't know what they're doing, you know? the bassist and the drummer doesn't know what they're doing. So patterns are important. They recorded that way for a reason. Like they, they were very intentional with everything they did when they were recording those things. So making sure you're learning the music is, is extremely important. Um, because as a, when you sit in the seat as a, as a music director, you're another one of your responsibilities is to know everybody else's parts. Uh, so if I'm, if I know I heard the guitar player on the record doing, you know, I don't know, like a, a certain pattern in the verse, and then we get to rehearsal and I don't hear that, I'm going to ask like, Hey, you know, can you do that pattern? And if he's like, well, you were doing this pattern and it didn't coincide with each other. So I switched to something else. Now, now it just messes up everything. You know what I mean? Like, so learning patterns and rhythms and dynamics are extremely important because they were done like that for a reason. Uh, so I, a quick, quick question on that. So mm-hmm. whenever you kind of get down the line of saying the band being together for a while um, and maybe in the right context, the guitarist, for instance, will come up to you and be like, Hey, I was thinking about something different for this song. And if you're obviously doing rehearsals and you have the time to maybe go over it and see if it works, or do you have guys potentially try something out during a practice and you're like, ah, it's not going to work? Um, I think both of those situations have happened. Uh, most of the time, thankfully, because the guys that I work with are like professionals and and not only professionals, but they respect, everybody respects each other and the positions that we're in. Right. So instead of somebody just doing something because they felt like it, they'll ask like, hey, are you cool with me doing this instead? And most of the time, the answer is yes. But I like to hear it in context, you know, like, oh, let me hear what you're playing. You know, let's all play the verse or whatever. Let me hear how that sounds. And a lot of the times, you know, when we're working out patterns and stuff like that, uh, you know, the, 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 the deciding factor is if it's taken away from the music or if it's elevating it, mm. you know. Now, if it's a guitar line, if it's like the main guitar line of the song that everybody oh, knows and everybody's yeah. waiting to hear, no, we're not touching it. <laughs> we're no, not exactly at all. No, I is. totally get that. Yeah. You know, but um, the other thing that can be interesting sometimes is, you know, when people go into a studio, they were, they'll record like five or six different guitar parts that could be going on all at the same time. 
Exactly. And obviously, we don't have five or six guitar players to be playing on those lines, so we have to decide what we're going to leave in the tracks and what our guitar player is going to play live. So right. sometimes we'll sit and listen to which one sounds better him playing live, you know? Like, which one serves the music better? Like, And then if he wants to, you know, switch it up a little bit here and there, then that's fine. Or a lot of times we'll have him double what the bass guitar is doing. Oh, uh, interesting. Just to give it, like, an extra cool added effect, uh, effect or whatever. Right. Um, so, yeah, the guys are super are super good with that as far as like they'll learn their parts but then that's what rehearsals are for when we come together it's like okay let's hear how it all sounds together all right hey i know that the guitar player was playing power chords on on the record but we can leave that in the track let's figure out something else for you to play because it feels like it's missing something here you know we right yeah it's so we have a lot of those situations and it always works out so it's pretty cool yeah i I think it, it definitely comes into play in the sense that uh like getting to know who the people that you work with and stuff and mm-hmm. it's just easier after you guys have that chemistry together um everyone's going to be able to say like oh i was thinking about this like let's see if we can do it um but but yeah is so also i think another thing i was thinking about was um is is a lot of the creativeness in a sense, uh, give like given some freedom in like for instance like the intros you guys do into a particular concert, like how those are orchestrated, or do you orchestrate those and kind of just let the guys know what's going on, or is it kind of like a combined kind of team effort uh-uh. when it comes to that? Yeah. Um, so normally, what happens is that I'll ask Torn like, "Hey, what what are you thinking?" You know for this you know like for this intro and he'll say man well he sent me a voice memo of like if he has an idea already uh whether it's him like singing through it or or him just talking through it like hey i want something that's like really somber at first and then you know builds and then it gets to whatever um so then i'll take that and i'll sit down with it and create like pretty much a rough demo of it and then send it back to him. Then he'll give me his feedback, like, hey, I like that. Let's make it a little bit shorter or let's whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, when we go to band rehearsals, uh, you know, well, I'll send it to the band, you know, prior to rehearsals. And when we go to band rehearsals, we'll play through it a few times. And then uh, we're, yeah, I, there's free creativity, like as far as like suggesting certain things here and there. Right. Um, like seeing what works better, like, hey, what if we did this chord instead of that one? Or, hey, I feel like it needs a guitar line right here. Or, you know, hey, why don't you play synth bass instead of your regular bass and then come in on a regular bass when we get mm. to this section, you know? So there is a lot of creativity and the guys uh, have a lot of, um, uh, I mean, they're free to speak into that stuff. and Right. Um, because it's not set like, like, a, like a song like... Uh, like hills and valleys, it's not something that's set. It has right. some room to be able to be molded and kind of shaped into the idea that originally came from Torin, but yeah. then is able to be created by everyone in the band. Yeah, and then the cool thing is, is that like we'll we'll you know do that whole process and you know get something locked in in rehearsal, send it to Torin, he'll like it, and then for tour, we'll for the most part we try to stay as consistent as possible as far as like what we're doing um, from rehearsals to the road because Torn just really likes consistency. Right. Um, but, you know, every once in a while, you know, he'll tell us like, hey, guys, y'all, y'all, you know, feel free to do something different tonight or whatever. Oh, and so okay. one of us will do something and then it'll just become a part of the arrangement now. Like, oh, there's like, like he likes song. it so much and he's like, yeah, keep that in there. Yeah, it's like, and and it's and it's all about us listening to each other. Like, if Andrew, our bass player, goes and does something like super cool on the bass, instead of me like trying to feel through it, I'll just do a cymbal swell, just kind of highlight what he's doing, and everybody knows. Like, okay, that's Andrew's spot right there. Like, Andrew right. takes that, you know, or Uriah takes this spot, or hey, Chris is gonna do this fill right here. Um, so, yeah, everybody has free range to speak into it, and then most of the times by the end of the tour, the arrangement has even more sauce on it because we just (laughs) 
start playing out a little bit more. <laughs> but nothing too crazy. That's great. Um, I have those other two points. Uh, yeah, let's roll into it. Um, which the fifth one was consistency is key. Uh, yeah. You know, make sure you're playing the same thing every night or if you're on a tour, you know, every single time. Uh, for Torn, he likes that. Like, he he's not trying to restrict us, but sometimes if we do something, like, out of the box, like, randomly, it can throw him off. So he mm-hmm. likes for us to be consistent. Um, and not just for the sake of, like, him not being thrown off, but everybody knows what's happening at all times. Like, nobody's ever about to guess, like, ooh, I wonder if Chris is going to throw a fill in the middle of this verse two. Like, no, like, everybody knows this is what happens here. This is what happens there. And I'm not thrown off as the music director if, you know, a guitar player starts soloing in the middle of the bridge (laughs) or, you know, because what's going to happen is if something like that happens, Torn's not going to turn around and look at him. He's going to turn around and look at me because he's going to be like, (laughs) what did you do? Yeah. Did you tell him to do this or? Right. Um, So that's that. Consistency is like a big thing. Um, and this is not just with your playing, but like your drum tones, your like how you approach certain things, you know, making sure the tracks are always the same. Um, last thing I was going to say, I'll make this quick. Uh, when you're working with the artist, you get to, like I said, you know, as an MD, you're the middleman. And so you get to work on the front end with a lot of things before it even gets to the band. And being able to do that, you get to see the bigger vision of what the artist wants. Because a lot of times we can just, as musicians be like, oh, we should do this and this and this could be dope musically, you know, but a lot of the times um, us wanting to do something crazy musically can be over the audience's head. Like we have to realize that we're not playing to a bunch of Berkeley musicians who are going to freak out over every chord and line and all that kind of stuff. We have to not only serve the song, but serve the people as well. Like what are the people coming to experience what are they coming to hear? What are they coming to enjoy? Um, so a lot of the, I keep saying that, a lot of the times, uh, <laughs> there's been times where I've brought stuff to Torin and he's like, he likes it. He's like, this would be great, but it's not going to translate with this audience. We need to, we need to like scale it down a little bit or we need to do this. And um, especially working with uh, lighting and video and all that kind of stuff. Right, uh, they're programming stuff based off what I arrange. Yep. Um, so I can't, I can't just be in my own little world, adding all this crazy stuff, and it just be cool, and it not really translate with whatever else is going on on the stage, you know. Absolutely. And if Torn's, you know, he has a big vocal moment in the middle of a song, I can't be trying to add all these crazy chords and stuff over his big vocal moment because that takes away from the big picture of it all. Like people are paying money to come see Torrent. Yes, the band is an added bonus, but people are coming to hear that one big note on Hills and Valleys. They're coming to hear that piano line on Hills and Valleys. So you just have to think about the bigger picture of it all and just like, okay, am I serving the song, the artist, you know, the people that are going to be there? Or am I just in my own little world just doing whatever I want? No, yeah, that's that's all great. And I think I think one thing that uh that drummers can can take away from that, I mean, obviously it's all of them, but even if you're not at a bigger stage like Chris is, you can still take a lot of these and implement them into your service on Sunday or service on Wednesday because I mean, just like a big tour, I mean, even for the church that I play at, there are people that are programming for like lights and stuff and there are particular like, like cues that they make that have, have to do with my hits. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I have to be aware of that. And maybe if it's not as big of a scale as even that, maybe you're just, um, wanting to be consistent with playing in the band or playing at, at, at church and stuff and wanting to keep that consistency with the people that are in there. So being willing to say, you know what, I'm going to hold off, even though I really want to do a fill right here, yeah. I'm going to hold off because it's probably going to take away from the particular atmosphere that we're trying to create or, or whatever the case is. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's definitely a lot. Like, all of those were like super important 
And I, I really liked um, the last one, to be honest with you, just because it is, it just, it's super helpful. It is. And I just, to, to be able to recognize all of those things, um, I think can really help the people that are, that are listening for sure. So it's, 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 it's really great. Is there any like closing, closing things that maybe you could say along with all the other things that you've said, and I wish we had a little bit more time to talk about gear and stuff, but I don't want to take too much of, of your time, but like, is there anything, uh, closing wise you can say to people that, you know, maybe aren't on these big tours, obviously, and maybe they're just the, maybe it's a really small church or maybe it's a, like, in my mind, I'm always thinking about like, no matter what the, how big the congregation is or how big the gig is, it's always bringing your best every time. But what what would you say to somebody that's, that's working to, to maybe nail a, a couple of these things and get better at understanding their role as maybe a drummer or maybe if they're not a drummer, maybe they're a guitar player or a piano player. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. The one thing I always like to tell people is that, especially drummers that are serving at their church and stuff, um, that stage, well, first of all, serving is not a, like serving is not a, a thing that you eventually grow out of. Um, serving is extremely important. Like you ask any drummer who has grown up in church or has that background, you know, that may be touring or in big stages. Now you ask them how they got to, uh, that place they're going to tell you that they were serving at their church. They were helping out this person for this gig or whatever. Um, quick story. The, the, so our bass player, Andrew, he's the one who asked me to be a part of Torn's band when he went solo. Right. Um, he, that bass player, Andrew used to come fill in at my church and this, that particular service that he would come fill in at was a volunteer service. Like, if we had incredible musicians that came through, but it was a young adult service and nobody was getting paid. I could have very easily back then had the mindset of like, Oh, I'm not playing any of these volunteer services. Like I'm only doing the stuff that's getting me paid. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I don't do that. If I wouldn't, if I would have had that mindset, I would have never met Andrew and I would have never been considered, you know, for an opportunity like that. Like, so yeah, you have to keep in mind that people are always watching you. People are always, um, you know, taking notes in there. And it may not be like a situation that happens immediately. Like I knew Andrew for a few years before, you know, the whole touring thing happened. And, and me and Andrew weren't super close either. Like we only saw each other when he would come fill in at my church. Um, so I'm saying that to say like serving is extremely important. Like your heart's posture is more important than you having all the dope gear and, you know, followers and views and all that kind of stuff. Like God, who's the one who grants these positions and these opportunities and opens these doors, he's looking at your heart first. So making sure you have that in line. And then also something my pastors in Houston have always taught is that life moves at the speed of relationships. So mm. um, having that, I'm just going to keep referencing that relationship with Andrew, having that relationship with him obviously opened up more doors for me than I yeah. could ever imagine. Um, so surrounding yourself with people who are doing what you want to do, um, you know, reaching out to people and not necessarily asking for anything, but just telling them, hey, I'm grateful for you know, what you do, I want to let you know I'm watching you, I'm learning from you. Um, I I used to show up to these different gigs and stuff around town and church services where drummers who I looked up to were, were playing and I would go and help them tear down their stuff afterwards or help them set it up just because I wanted to be around them. I wanted to, I wanted them to see that I was willing to put in the work to do whatever it took to be in that spot. So those are my two things. Uh, just making sure your heart is in the right place. Uh, let, let God do all the, all the um, advancing. Let him open the doors. Let him do all that. Don't ever try to open a door that's not there. But then also remember that life moves at the speed of relationships. So everybody you're surrounded with, uh, you know, make sure you have a 
good standing with them. Like make sure you're serving people, make sure you're available and willing to learn. And it's not just for the sake of, or I'm going to be friends with this person so he could eventually call me for a gig one day. No, that's not, that's not what Mm -hmm. I'm telling you to do. I'm saying that just uh, because people care about how you are as a person. You know, we spend most of the time hanging, you know, you're only on stage for about, (laughs) you know, max an hour and a half you know if you're playing a huge show or something <laughs> you still have to be on the road with these people for all, the rest of the 24 hours of the day yep. so anyways i'm i'm kind of rambling but i hope no, that you're makes good sense. no all of that makes perfect sense and it actually goes it, it goes back to your very first story and i actually had heard you said that story before i think you did like an interview um at at grace where the pastor was talking about like your story and stuff like that and you had mentioned just like you know, serving as the worship leader in your youth group and just kind of going all in, even though you had no idea who this dude was and you were just really just being there to serve and being there to, Hey, how do I keep, uh, how can I help? How can I be the best kind of host that Mm -hmm. you can whenever they come in and do like the youth conferences and stuff. So I think that along with, you know, you knowing the bassist definitely helped getting, Cause I'm sure like, I mean, Torin ended up recognizing you if, if he hadn't already known or if he hadn't yeah. already put out your name already. So it was, it, it's just those moments where you think people aren't watching or you think it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to do anything might just be the moment that like God gives you to say, Hey, I mean, the, this is the opportunity I was talking about. And it may not look like an opportunity at that moment, but it definitely could turn an opportunity down the road. And I think that's what, you know, with everything moving so fast and even with things changing and stuff like that. And, and you want everything to come right away. It's so, we get so quick to say, man, like why isn't this happening now? And especially with social media, you look at social media and see all these people posting the best versions of themselves all the time or them on tour when things were opening up and stuff like that. And you, it's so quick. And I do it sometimes like, I was doing it like last week and you tend to like compare yourself and you're like, no, you know what? You have to realize that like, and I, I, I think I'm just going to make this a thing for every podcast. Like you can't compare your chapter three to somebody's chapter 30. Like yeah. it's just not, it's not going to make sense. It's not going to make sense. And so you just have to be willing to endure that. But then I love what you said about, about relationships. That's something that I love, which is exactly why I even started a podcast to begin with. I just mm-hmm. love to talk to people. I love hearing their story. I love hearing like where they came from or what they're doing. Um, and that's just, that brings a lot of joy to me. And so like to be able to hear that and to hear that process and to hear everything that was just that, that, that makes my week all the time, (laughs) every single time I do this. So, um, before we close out, give a quick, like, how can people find you do that whole spiel real quick and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get us on out of here. Gotcha. Uh, on Instagram at underscore Strotter, Strotter spelled straw D E R. So S T R (laughs) A-W-D-E-R. Um, I have a Twitter, but I don't tweet anything, so you might not want to follow me on there. <laughs> uh, same thing with Facebook. But I am on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's Chris A. Strauder. Um, So YouTube.com slash Chris A. Strauder. And then if you also want to follow our band's uh, Instagram, we started a band Instagram, the band that plays for Torrent. It's called uh, The White Belts. Um, so awesome yeah so um i think it's underscore the white belts i don't know but you you can find us on instagram um but yeah that's pretty much it cool dude chris thank you so much for coming on the podcast and chatting and i really i really really think a lot of these tips are going to be helpful to drummers that i mean it doesn't matter where in their journey they're on and so i mean obviously on this podcast This is why we don't just drum about it. We talk about it. Hey, guys, we'll see you in a couple weeks.